Welcome to Shift Everything, the podcast that challenges the status quo in education and pushes for change to make the impossible become possible. Here's your host, Executive Director of West 40 and President of the Illinois Association of Regional Superintendents of Schools, Dr. Mark Kleisner. Hi, Jeff. I'm so glad you're here again. Um, we can continue our conversations. I'm, I'm very excited about the launch of our annual study of the educator shortage crisis, and I really have appreciated our opportunities to talk together, and um, this is our third in a series, and I'm excited to, to look to the future. Indeed, Mark. I enjoy these conversations, and thanks for having me back. Let's jump right into it, and before we go on and talk about what we're going to discuss today, let's review a little bit about the main points from the teacher shortage survey. The survey found that 77% of schools report they have a teacher shortage problem, 93% of schools reported they have a problem finding substitute teachers, 938 teaching positions, or 17% of those schools participating in the survey were looking to fill are either unfilled or filled with someone not qualified for the position. More than 250 classes have been canceled, nearly 200 moved online because school administrators could not find educators to teach them. And lastly, while the teacher shortage has been a crisis level for several years, 65% of schools surveyed say the problem is getting worse, and 86% expect shortages will be an issue in the coming school years. So Mark, the the $500,000 questionnaire is, is, how do we tackle this problem? What are the recommendations that are coming out of the survey? Thank you, Jeff. I, you know, I've looked forward to this conversation as much as any of the others, but probably even a little bit more. Um, we have been through a, a difficult, difficult year. And, um, you know, as you pan back through 2020, we had a teacher crisis a year ago, and then the global pandemic. And, you know, we had all kinds of tensions in the country over the summer and a contested uh, election in the fall. It's just been a, a really challenging year. And I'm so proud of our educators that they have been resilient and nimble and, um, you know, have risen to the occasion to help our kids, our staffs, and our communities. And one of the things we like to do in our annual study is we provide some policy recommendations. And um, I'd like to remind you that we're, we're partners in our writing. Our study is, is a partnership with the only State University and with Goshen Consulting. And um, together we have put together this study, of which I'm very proud. And if any of the listeners want to follow up from this podcast, uh, certainly look at IARSS.org. The Illinois Association of Regional Superintendents of Schools website has the entire study. Um, but in particular today, I look forward to talking about some of our recommendations as we look forward, how can we help improve the situation? Our recommendations include five areas. Um, the first one is adapting to a new normal. What's that going to mean? Setting new standards, how could that address the issue? Building pipelines, how can we work together with other stakeholders to build strong pipelines for the future? Sharing the burden, we're all about relationships and we're, we know we're stronger together. 
And the last one is how do we support substitutes? Um, that's a part of the crisis as well. So our five areas of recommendations are those um, in terms of looking to the future. So let's go to right at the beginning, the first one you mentioned, adapting to a new normal. Is that possible? So Jeff, I think it's not only possible, I think it's essential. And I find myself in my role as president of IARSS, as I visit the, the many corners of our state, I, um, I hear these amazing stories of things that have been accomplished. But at the same time, one of my uh, favorite things to talk about is a challenge. What have we learned? And I am committed to helping work toward a new normal. There are some things that we've learned over the past year that we just need to let go. And there are things that we've learned that must be incorporated. Um, perhaps some surprises, some, some plans and strategies that worked out exceptionally well. Um, we've learned a lot about remote learning, about technology, innovative engagement. Um, we know that our students in many cases, um, this was a very challenging time and they, they struggled to be successful in a remote environment. We also know that some students thrived in a remote environment. We as educators need to learn from those and then incorporate the good pieces of what we've learned this year. The new normal certainly should include additional pieces of quality education around technology, closing some of the learning gaps, um, access to students in a variety of ways. We have seen a bit of federal funding streams, so we have money supporting some of these initiatives in closing the digital equity gap, providing for high-speed internet. There are a lot of things that we're learning that mean, or that are telling me that we don't go back to normal as we knew it, but we create a better normal for our kids, for our staffs, for our communities. I, would, I want to remain hopeful that there's a lot of learning as we can share uh, going into this spring and especially into the fall that schools should look new, different, and better. So let's think about aspiring teachers and people that want to get into this profession. What are new standards that have to be set to attract those people to come to this profession? Because, as we talked in an earlier podcast, there's also a health pandemic going on at the same time uh, to ensure safety and, and health. How do we set this new standard? Well, this is a great question. And I think at first blush, it may sound almost surface level. But as we talk about it a little bit, I think you'll see there's some real depth in this question. For me, the question of setting new standards is, is one of maintaining quality. We want to make sure that the best people who are well-equipped are in front of our students and helping them to a brighter future. That means that the standards, it isn't just about walking through the door. It's about making sure that we have the quality we need so our kids are getting the best education they possibly can get. So how do we do those things at the same time? Um, this is all in the context of our educator shortage. So we know we need more people. So A, the new standards need to make 
teaching and, and um, education an exciting profession for people. There needs to be innovation. And I think in a series of, a sequence of issues that are related to remote learning, we're asking all kinds of ways about how education can be exciting and new. That means we can attract a new breed of people. Some of the things that I'd like to highlight is that we know that we can attract people who have content knowledge and support them in their journey to be successful educators. In the near future here, uh, the State Board of Education has put together some short-term approvals. And I'm very excited by this conversation. Folks who have content knowledge and are interested in the teaching profession could obtain a short-term teaching approval and get a license and at the same time then be assigned professional development, coursework, a mentor, and someone who is evaluating them as a teacher. So as they launch into the teaching profession, they could still maintain their livelihood and earn a salary, but be shrouded and surrounded by supports that help them improve their, their teaching pedagogy. And so by supporting teachers from a variety of backgrounds, we have even more access to a wide variety of expertise that could help our students. In addition, I think we should look at things like, can student teachers serve as full-time teachers? Frequently in a student teaching situation, we design it such that the student teacher takes over the classroom and is supported by a mentor. This same model could be used with substitute teachers, it could be used with new teachers, it could be used with career changers. I think there are a lot of opportunities for keeping the standards high, but then mobilizing in such a way that we can give multiple access to people who are interested in the education profession and having them step into schools and have quality people in front of our kids. Well, talking about setting up a network like that for support of the teacher on, on, a, on a smaller scale, but you also mentioned building pipelines. So we're talking about a larger scale aspect to getting educators hired. Can you extrapolate on that a little bit? Absolutely. So Jeff, we find that if we look back at the last five years of, of our study of the educator shortage in IRSS, one of the things that keeps popping up is an idea of higher ed deserts. And that's been defined operationally as a 30 mile radius from an institution of higher ed where education is one of the major programs. And there are all kinds of these deserts across Illinois, primarily in our rural areas, and we know that students who aspire to be teachers may not have access to quality higher ed programs. Well, as we've opened up our, our minds to remote learning, the idea of developing satellite higher education campuses or even distance learning are now more possible than ever. As adults, we've learned to take our learning and our meetings and our collaborations online. So there are all kinds of new opportunities. IARSS has been working closely with a number of institutions of higher education across the state to look at leveraging these programs in such a way that we could help 
as regional offices to deliver quality programs within these deserts to teacher candidates across the state. Um, we also know that there is a, an enhanced interest and a conversation around Grow Your Own. As we use some of the creative things that we've just been talking about, we found a large number of paraprofessionals who have proven themselves in the educational environment and are very interested in seeking a, a profession in teaching. And there have been some um, seemingly insurmountable hurdles, things like having to step out of employment to go to school or the cost of higher education, the logistics and the time. And there's just a number of things that have not allowed a number of amazing paraprofessionals to follow their dreams to become teachers. We believe that with more flexibility that these gaps can be filled and that we would be able to give opportunities to a variety of people who we even know are incredible educators and help them get the qualifications they need in a different kind of pipeline, but addressing the shortage and again, getting the most quality people in front of our students. There is a gap between people who don't want to go back to schools because of safety concerns, health concerns, and a market of young people that are wanting to get into that profession, yet we still have this shortage in the state. How can that be bridged? So it's interesting. I will tell you that Dr. Ayala, I know that she didn't know that COVID-19 was around the corner, but about 15 months ago, she did understand, or does understand, but at the time, she understood how important pipelines were. And she established a, a multi-stakeholder group of experts across the state. I believe the number of us in, within that group was something like 45 professionals talking about building pipelines. And those have been institutions of higher ed, it's your regional offices of education, it's people, boots on the ground in the field, it's professional organizations all gathering together to talk about the, the pipeline. Some of the things that we've been looking at, we've been looking at elevating the profession. And you will see if you look at the Illinois State Board of Education strategic plan, it's actually woven into their strategic plan, recognizing good teaching, um, encouraging young people to want to be teachers. Your regional offices of education have been actively involved in the Teacher of the Year program and those that excel program, celebrating really good teaching and finding ways to do that well. But we're looking at how do we start as early as 14, 15, 16 years old, get people in our high schools looking at the teaching profession and starting the pipeline there and having students be um, excited about possibly being teachers. The pipeline group and frequently Dr. Ayala herself have referred to situations or systems where bridging the gap starts with young people and includes things like dual credit courses or early experience so that by the time a student even graduates high school, they may have some of their college coursework already done with credits in college. Then, you know, in the long run, then also sort of mitigating the, the cost of college and 
assuring that people who want to follow that profession and uh, go into teaching would have the avenues to do that. In addition, we've looked for some things that have actually made them made their way into proposed legislation, some of which sitting on the governor's desk today. We've always looked to bridge those gaps to a more diverse candidate pool. We know that kids benefit when they have a diverse teaching staff in front of them and when they can learn from people who look like them and understand them and share their cultures. So we're always looking to diversify. So we've looked at things like scholarship programs, we've looked at systems where we can build apprenticeships and residency programs that allow for earning while they're attaining their their degrees and qualifications. So we're looking at lots of ways to do that. And I'm glad to say, once again, stronger together when you've got 45 stakeholders from a wide variety of, of systems coming together and trying to address the pipeline we have a much better chance of, of being successful. Let's talk about that stronger together and talking about the next policy recommendation we are sharing the burden. How can regional offices do that at this time to, to fortify their schools better? I'm thrilled you've asked this question, Jeff. You know, I, I have shared in many of our conversations that I can't help but celebrate the work of educators across the state. And again, every corner of the state, we're seeing heroes step forward. And one of the one of the ways we're doing that is by collaborating and realizing that we will be more successful and stronger together. I know that the regional offices, nearly every regional office in the state is working weekly, um, at least weekly with their local uh, superintendents and school districts. In my case, in my region, we meet every Monday afternoon and we gather together via Zoom and we talk about the challenges and the successes and we share ideas and we collaborate together. And uh, many times as the regional superintendent, I walk away with a series of questions to go research on behalf of my districts and superintendents. Those have been very powerful. And so one of the ways that we've shared the burden is simply meeting more often. Frequently, regional superintendents would meet with their district superintendents about once a month or so. And in most places I know, we're meeting more like once a week. In addition, the regional superintendents have been able to help bridge between school districts and local health departments. In some parts of, the, of Illinois, those relationships were already established. In other places, they weren't. But there's no way to open school safety safely unless we are collaborating between health departments and regional offices and the, the local school districts. So we're looking every day for ways to help build the bridges, to connect, to work together. And our regional offices, there are 38 of our offices across the state for 852 districts. So in many cases, we're able to add efficiencies, we're able to facilitate communication. Looking forward, we have been talking to the Illinois State Board of Education about what role we can have in helping distribute stimulus money um, as it comes from the federal government in the next, could be the next couple of weeks, but very shortly here, we're expecting the next round of, 
of monies to go to our districts, and we can add that la layer of efficiency to turn things around quickly and get the monies uh, to, the, to the school districts. In addition, those efficiencies include many things. Your regional offices of education are also the entities that do permitting for construction or health life safety work, or even in cases, in, in many cases across the state, we've been involved in supplying PPE or in um, technology acquisition, uh, those kinds of purchases. So again, we are gonna celebrate nearly a daily basis, Jeff, that we're always stronger together and the regional offices are here trying to help uh, share that burden as we work toward being more efficient, getting out the most accurate information and trying to do the very best we can to create safe environments, particularly for the kids and families, our staffs, our districts, and our communities. Lastly, but not leastly, there is a shortage with substitute teachers, and it's dangerously high right now. What recommendations are coming out of the survey to address this issue? And you're exactly right. We really can't talk about the educator shortage without talking about the substitute shortage. And as we've had teachers deal with a variety of situations, it could be their own health situation, it could be their own family situation or their daycare situation. There are a lot of reasons that teachers need to, the support and collaboration with substitutes. So we find that that number is very high. As you mentioned, uh, when we first started talking, we are in need of huge numbers of substitutes. So how do we do that? Well, in many corners of the state, the regional offices can serve or are serving as a central clearinghouse for substitute teachers. In many of our offices, they, they maintain a substitute pool. The offices provide the criminal background checks. They provide the application process, the vetting process and then that pool of substitutes is then shared across a larger region. Um, that's not possible in, in all of our offices, but many of our offices are doing that. In addition, a little over a year ago, the Illinois State Board of Education created a new system for uh, short-term substitute teachers. And if someone has 60 college credit hours or an associate's degree, they're able to apply for a short-term substitute license. They qualify for that license once they take a training through the Regional Office of Education. Our offices have been providing this training all over the state. And as we moved into COVID, we've moved that training online. And so we are continue to provide that training on a regular basis. Our offices have been partnering with districts to help recruit license, build pools of, of qualified substitute teachers. As I said, we've been sharing those across the regions. We also have been uh, recruiting retired teachers. We often find that teachers who had a very successful career are well equipped to come back and, and help our students. Some are willing to do that. Some um, are gonna wait until we come to the other side of COVID-19, but we're constantly looking for ways to build the pool of teachers and then share them across our uh, substitute teachers and then share them across our regions. So it's another one of those ways where we can add a layer of efficiency and, and help our districts.
Mark, I think it's important to mention that these are policy recommendations as they stand now, but the IRSS is going to be uh, releasing a number of white papers in the near future, in the coming months, to further address these policy recommendations and flesh them out further. Is that correct? It's exactly right. So it's in our DNA, Jeff, that when we do a research study, especially looking at a crisis, that we want to contribute to finding the solutions. And these policy recommendations, as you stated, are recommendations on our part to the field, to the decision makers. Uh, We will certainly be taking these to the State Board of Education, to our legislators, and sharing. And at the same time, always partnering to be part of the solution. If any of our listeners would like to read more about these, we will be posting our study on the IARSS.org website. And as you said, there are multiple components to our study this year. There's the written study, there's an interactive portal, there'll be a series of four white papers, largely around these recommendations, and opportunities to connect with the regional offices of education in any corner of the state as we try to help partner with our districts to address this crisis in a a meaningful, quality way. Mark, thank you for your time today and, and sharing some light on this very important issue. Thanks, Jeff. I always enjoy our our conversations. Thanks for listening to Shift Everything, the education podcast that challenges the status quo to push for change. We know we can't change the system alone, so we want to hear your thoughts and bold ideas. To join the conversation, email us at shifteverything at west40.org.